0: Welcome to the fourth episode of Menu Stories, I'm your host Rebecca Goberstein and today we meet Miguel Hara, owner of the legendary La Taqueria in San Francisco's Mission District. La Taqueria has been a local mission favorite for over 40 years since Miguel opened it in 1973 not just because of the food, but because of the warmth and humor that Miguel embodies. In fact, Miguel was so thoughtful that he greeted me with a vase of beautiful pink roses as an apology for rescheduling our interview date. It was really not that big of a deal, but I was really touched by his even thinking of apologizing, let alone with beautiful flowers. But the magic of La Taqueria does extend beyond Miguel to the delicious food they serve, which earned national attention when ESPN's 538 named La Taqueria as makers of the best burrito in America in 2014. Despite the attention, Miguel remains humble and made me laugh so much that it was hard to get through the interview. Make sure to subscribe and listen to Menu Stories on Menustories.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, let's have a listen. Are you going
1: to take all the bad words out?
0: I will take all the bad words out. I'm here with Miguel Jara. Perfecto. (laughs) Who is um, the owner of La Taqueria in San Francisco. A lot of people may have heard of La Taqueria, not just because it's a legendary Mexican restaurant in the Mission, but you also um, got a special honor last year from ESPN as the best burrito in America.
1: Yeah, we sure did, yes.
0: So how would you describe La Taqueria? If somebody had never heard of it and came from somewhere outside of San Francisco, how would you describe it?
1: Well, I, I'll i describe it as... Uh, real happy place. Uh, not only my customers, they come over, they sit out here for a few minutes um, and you can hear them out there when I'm working laughing like crazy because there are six or eight people, you know, got together here for somebody's birthday or ten people and they laugh and the people around there what's going on and stuff like that. It looks like it's kind of friendly. Everybody likes hanging out. And besides that, I, I think I'll describe the, the taqueria as a uh, a very special place. Maybe not in everybody's heart, but my whole family's heart. You know, um, real happy place, uh, good food. It's just when I when I first opened La Taqueria, my advertisement was gonna be. You come to Mexico without having the problems of going through all the problems that they have in Mexico with the federales and all that <laughs> stuff. You know, here right. you come just like if you were in Mexico, you know, you got the music and the tortillas and, and things like that. So I describe it as a real special, friendly and happy place.
0: What part, of, um, what part of Mexico are you from?
1: I was born in a little house way up in the hills. The closest towns where I was registered was Villa Guerrero, Jalisco, which is in the state of Jalisco, and the capital is Guadalajara, you're probably familiar with that. But where I was born, uh, there was no light, no electricity, and it was a house all by itself. It was pretty cool, I think. I lived there for a while. We have fruit, fruit trees a little arroyo which is a stream of water going through the property you know in the hills i think it was pretty cool i was there till i was eight years old
0: did you move to san francisco right away or
1: we moved to a lot of little different places with my mom's family Um, we went to my mom's brother's house in the same state um, in a little city too then we went to Zapopan with my mother's sister, and then we came to Tijuana. That's where I was really raised, I think, You know, mm-hmm. from 10 years old to 16. That was my beautiful town that I have a lot of good memories from.
0: Did you move to America after
1: that? Actually, I went at 16 years old because we had no food at home and stuff like that. A cousin of mine who passed away last year, my compadre, Ramiro, he um, brought me over to Temple City, California. He worked for Anthony Swimming Pools at that time and gave me a job. And I was able to start supporting my family at 16. Then I think maybe nine months later, they brought me to San Francisco. My mom and dad were kind of distance. So my dad, when he saw that his son could work, he says, come on over. So I had to come to San Francisco. Started working in a body shop. So I've been here since 1959.
0: Wow, what neighborhood were you living in?
1: When he brought me over here, it was the Excelsior District. He was working for a cousin of mine who also left us. He let us live in the basement of his house, right here in Excelsior District. From then, I guess we graduated into having a rental. We went over here to Potrero. Then we moved to South San Francisco, and we were there for a long time. But I've been around here. I for met a little my while. wife around here on the Mission District, and good memories too.
0: You met your wife here on the Mission?
1: Yeah, it was funny because the first time I came here, I met these two girls uh, walking down, uh, I think it was Russia. And I asked them if they wanted a ride, so I gave them a ride. <laughs> they were going to a party, and I didn't speak much Spanish, I didn't speak much English, but we got along. So anyway, they were going to a party, I had to go someplace and we met the next day. Next day that we met, uh, we went to Playland, and you're too young to know about that. Playland at the beach, oh, it was awesome. <laughs> and- uh, What was it? Oh, Playland at the beach was a theme park. Oh, that's right. That's right,
0: that's right, that's right. On the well, boardwalk the and- they have the
1: laughing lady, you put a nickel and she laughs like crazy. Oh, right. I, <laughs> I just saw her not long ago too. And uh, so anyway, for one reason or another, we didn't see each other again. And she was not supposed to be with me. It was her friend that sat in the front seat with me. But anyway, she got mad for something and they both left. I went to, uh, kept my things going. I didn't have their phone number or anything. Mm -hmm. So I never saw her again. And then for one reason or another, the immigration caught up with me because I had no papers. They sent me back to Mexico, my dad and me. And we were there for a whole year. And, uh. After we got all our immigration papers fixed, we came back, started working, and about two weeks later, I'm driving on Mission Street and Silver, and I see this girl walking. Guess what? It was the same girl that got mad at that time. It took me two blocks to make a get in my car. <laughs> <laughs> we never parted from that. We have four kids. She left us already, but Aww. we have four kids, and... But it was just funny. I guess we meant for each other, you know. What was her name? Antonia. Antonio. We call her Tony.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful story. So what made you um, open La Taqueria? How did, how did that happen?
1: I guess uh, those things are like um, things that are supposed to happen to you, I guess. Because I was raised in Tijuana, and when I go back to Tijuana to visit my uh, friends... Everybody wants to go eat Chinese food or a steak or uh, different things. And and me, I just wanted to go have some tacos. (laughs) Uh, The ones in the corners, you know. They're really good. And My compadre who left us last year, Bernardo, we call him Tati. Tati. Yes, he said to me. He was funny. He was really funny. We were friends for 56 years, you know. And uh, he said to me one day, he said, why don't you take a taco maker so he could feed you over there? Because the only thing you do here is eat tacos <laughs> day, night, this kind, that kind, that kind. I said, well, maybe someday. But I that he told me that about 45, 48 years ago. I never paid attention too much to it, but then I, I had a business thing in Mexico City where I stayed with an engineer. He also left us about four months ago, Don Antonio Perez Rivera, very smart person. And I stayed at his house in Mexico City and I did what I had to do. And when I told him a couple of days before I was gonna come back, he says, okay, let me take you to this little place. It's called La Carreta. And the lady's making the tortillas right there and cutting the meat, she was making tacos. They were so good. Uh, Right there, I told the engineer, I said, you know, Don Don Antonio, I think I'm gonna go back and I'm not gonna work in my body shop anymore. I'm just gonna open a taco place. He says, what? Yeah. He says, well, after we talked for a little bit, you know, I have a month vacation. I never been to United States why don't I come with you and help you do this? I asked him, what do you know about taco places? Same as you, nothing. (laughs) Uh, So we waited a couple of days for him to get his uh, visa and stuff like that. And we came out here and he sure helped me. Locating these, designing it, organizing it so we could get our flow of uh, tacos going. And we didn't know what, but man, it worked out pretty good. I haven't been able to do anything, but if I had a, better, a bigger place, probably could do a little more. But with this place, there's nothing I could do, you know. We get really crowded and we pull the people out real fast. Yeah. So that's why I opened a taco place, because I was there in La Carreta and decided that I'm going to open a taco place.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I think a lot of things happen like that, where you don't know what you're doing and you just feel like doing it. And you try it out and you see that's where it goes. Exactly. I know I know how that goes um, you guys are a taco place but you won best burrito as, a, as an award last year what what's your feeling about that
1: well when I started I started with tacos and burritos and so the year before we won this award we also won an award for the best tacos in the United States and we came in second place actually the first place I think that we both in first place, because the only thing he does is sell fish tacos. Mm-hmm. I don't sell fish tacos, so mm-hmm. my carne asada, my carnitas came in second place, mm-hmm. but in a different category, I think we're both in first place, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. The fact that we got our, the first prize for the burritos, I think that since I opened up, people have been eating burritos like crazy. Mm-hmm. And somehow that word got around and probably they already saw that we won so many awards for tacos that they say, well, let's try the burrito, you know. I think it was something like 76,000 restaurants surveyed. Wow. It's amazing. I didn't even know nothing until um, one of my kids started telling me, hey, we made it into the second round. Second <laughs> round or what? We playing soccer or what? <laughs> And uh, so he started telling me about that, and uh, that was going on already for a while. (laughs) It was quite an honor, but, man, do they make us work hard.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. Have you guys seen a lot more people come in since then?
1: A lot more people that they didn't know nothing about the taco place. Yeah. And they found out because of that. No, you know my my success has been that somebody comes into a restaurant and they never been here, so they try what we have, and then all of a sudden they go and tell all their family. You know, then their family comes over and they they start telling other people. You know, I'm sure that some people don't like and tell other people don't go there. You know, but
0: <laughs> that happens. That, that
1: happens.
0: happens. <laughs> so in um, in Mexico, burritos aren't that popular or that common of a of a dish. But it, I'm born and raised in California, and um, I certainly know that burritos have been a staple of California cuisine for me my whole life. Um, what What's your thoughts on that? Why do you think burritos are so popular in California, even though they're kind of not a very common dish in Mexico?
1: Well, you probably haven't been to the right places in Mexico. <laughs> I remember when I was in Tijuana, there's a place called Boliches Corona. Then they're still around there, you know. Mm-hmm they make burritos machaca and different kinds and they're always busy we used to go over there and eat burritos then in sonora they're really famous for the big tortillas and Mm -hmm. they make the big burritos and stuff like that so they're popular they've been popular before i even opened 42 years ago
0: so it's a myth for some reason i remember growing up and um Um, you know the Mexican kids I was friends with would say burritos aren't even a thing in Mexico but maybe they're from a different region I guess
1: Uh, probably I stopped over there in Chihuahua one time, Ciudad Juarez and we got down to see the courier shops you know and we see burritos here burritos there This way back then they had chile relleno burritos which I was going to make them here because they were really good and Machaca and all these different places. So I guess if you don't look for them, you won't find them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the burritos, I personally saw them in Tijuana and when I decided to open the taco place, I wanted to make burritos like they make in Tijuana.
0: So what do you think is the most important ingredient for you guys? Um, Is it the tortillas? Is it the meat? What what do you think is the most um, kind of important piece of what you guys provide
1: you know like in a car What's the most important piece in the car the transmission the motor the rear end the doors the window without any one of those parts you got a problem I think it's the same thing with our food without the the salsa that we make, and it comes from from before we make it because I want my tomatoes this way and because the way we prepare the stuff without the salsa the burrito doesn't taste the same and if we didn't have any meat of course it wouldn't taste the same so i think every ingredient on the on the burrito is just as important as as the meat i think the meat is the most important part Mm -hmm. but i think everything else is almost as important you know the tortilla i mean we had tortillas from this guy over here for a while because he was my friend and all of a sudden they start making them a little different and they didn't taste the same, they didn't roll the same. So I went to my old supplier that did San Jose. I I, I go all the way down to San Jose to pick up my tortillas instead of buying them around here because they're better, you know? So I think everything is important.
0: What makes those tortillas better?
1: Um, They're freshly made. they very soft so you could Roll your burrito. They don't get hard in the edges and stuff like that. When you bite it, it's kind of soft. I don't know. I'm not a connoisseur. <laughs> you know, it, it just tastes good to me and we'll do it.
0: What's the inspiration for the menu and where the food that you guys offer here?
1: I'll tell you one. When I was ready to open up a couple of weeks before, I sat out at that table all the way in the back. And I said, what am I gonna do for the little kids? They're gonna come over here, they're not gonna eat a burrito. So I said, what am I gonna do for the little kids? You know, McDonald has the french fries or the chicken nuggets. My mom used to make quesadillas for us at home, you know. Hey kids, I got quesadillas, how many you want? You know, of course, we say 10, you know. <laughs> So I thought quesadillas would be a little treat for the kids because they're small they're, and they have cheese and a tortilla. And that's it. I guess my mom was my inspiration for that. And I did that for the little kids. But then the customers kind of turn it into a nice item in the menu by asking me, hey, what is that? Oh, that's a little quesadilla making for a kid. Can you put meat on it? So let me try it, you know. So, and somebody else comes over and says, Hey, can you make it toasty? Oh, well, let me try it, you know. And then somebody else comes over and says, could you do that in flour, tortilla? I don't know. Let me try it, you know. So we went on. That's how that happens. Of course, the carne asada, burritos or tacos, the carnitas and the chorizo. that was always in my mind because that's what they have in Tijuana. So I knew about that. hmm
0: that's awesome. Did you have uh Did you have children already at that time when you were thinking about the kids menu?
1: Yes, I had the four children at that time.
0: Wow. How old were they then? Uh,
1: I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> they were in the <laughs> eight, nine, ten years old, twelve maybe.
0: What's been the most challenging thing about having your own food business in, in San Francisco? Nothing. Nothing. There have been no challenges.
1: Well, there was a challenge when I started building it. Um, I painted. In 1932, for an architect that did the plans for me, we traded. I had to pay him. I didn't have no money, you know. So the challenging part was put this little building together without knowing what I was doing. And the deal between the architect and me is that he will do any changes that have to be done, but he will not go to the city to present the plans and receive the whatever they want to change on the plans I would have to do that that was very challenging
0: so getting started and because it takes money to start a business
1: well I had at that time I had gotten a divorce but I had my house I had a boat I had a Harley Davidson I had a Corvette Wow so I sold everything yep and then We had the body shop. Then I told my dad, I said, here, you can have the body shop. I'm going to open my taco place. So I used to come over here um, early in the morning, work till about 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And then I go to the body shop to write estimates or to distribute the work that has to be done in the daytime. And then at nighttime, also, I go and paint the cars that they leave ready for me to paint, you know. So I was working from 7 o'clock in the morning till about 1 o'clock at night. Uh, That's how I got the money to open this. I didn't get all of it, but I went to small business administration. I, pro- I didn't know for sure how much I needed, but I went and asked for about $5,000 so I could finish because I didn't have no more money. And we found these skylights over here, and I was up there in a letter sending down the um, sheetrock. And this Chinese guy comes in the door with uh, some paperwork and says, I want to talk to the owner. So I got down from the ladder, and I was, oh, why, because of the sending? And I said, yeah, can I help you? He said, no, I want to talk to the owner. Well, well, I'm the owner, you know, but he didn't think the owner is going to be up there sending shit rock, you know. (laughs) I said, okay, so I'm so-and-so, and and I come over from uh, small business administration because you asked for a loan. I said, oh, good, let's go. What are you going to do here? He starts writing down. I told him I'm going to do a taco place. Oh, I'm going to sell tacos with carne asada and cabeza and chorizo and carnitas. He looked at me kind of funny. He says, "That what you're going to do here? He said, come over here. So he took me outside. There's Ensenada over there. Tico's Tacos is over here. He mentioned another restaurant over there. You're not going to have any success. (laughs) I looked at him. I said, I'm almost finished with this. I spent... The money that I have and my boat and everything went. I said, you come over here to tell me that I'm not going to be successful. I don't need your money. Get out of here. So I threw him out of here. <laughs>
0: That's amazing.
1: Oh I gosh. did throw him out of here. It was funny because about 10 years ago, I walked into this place in San Jose. It's called Casabiki, and, and this guy comes out and says, are you from La Taqueria? I said, yes. He says, you remember me? I said, no. He said, maybe my name might remind you a little bit. My name is Jose Langarica. Oh, you're the guy from the Small Business Administration that I went to ask. And he sent the Chinese guy here? Uh-huh. He said, that's right. I'm going to tell you a story. The fellow I sent over there came over and told me, you threw him out of there. And I told him at that time, he said, that guy's going to be successful. You know, It's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Have you ever seen that guy again, the one you threw out?
1: Uh If I seen him, I don't remember him, you know. I saw him for three or four minutes. so funny.
0: So when were you setting up? When were you sanding the the ceilings? Was that in 72 or?
1: That was in 72, close to 73. It took me a whole year to remodel this thing Mm -hmm. because I didn't know anything about it, you Mm -hmm. know. But it's so simple, you know. I've done some boxing. I trained kids for 20 years. Oh, yeah? We won a world title. And everything that, that you like, you could do really well if you really like it, you know. Because to me, it's not a job to be here. I mean, I feel blessed by being able to have this and come over here and talk to the people. Uh, I have this little old lady. I haven't seen her for a long time. She's about 82, 83. And every time she came in, she pulls my ear <laughs> from the cash race and says, Come here, come here, mijo. She called me mijo, American lady. And she tells me some dirty jokes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. She's older, you know, what she pulls my ear. And she wants to tell me I haven't seen her for a while. She was up in age. Yeah. Or 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 just customers that ah, bring me a bottle of tequila or, or talk to me about cars or their or their little kids playing basketball. it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun.
0: You know, um, we interviewed the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, and Gwyneth Borden, the the executive director there, was saying that restaurants are really, they're more than just the food. They're these kind of community gathering places. And it sounds like that's very much what you guys have become and have been this whole time. Since 1973, when you guys opened, how has the mission changed? You've been on 25th and Mission since yes. 1973. How's, and this is a pretty uh, central corner. Have you seen the neighborhood change?
1: I remember the Mission being about the same it is as it is right now, except for a lot of the Latin community have been pushed out because the prices of the houses. But, you know, you still see all the Latin people walking around the Mission Street. I mean, there's more shops on the Mission Street now than it was at that time because they had the street all destroyed because of the BART. And so a lot of people closed down and moved out, but in 73 or, yeah, in 73, I think BART opened. The mission started getting the little shops back, you know, the stuff that people like to go, the fruit markets, uh, you know, all the stuff that's happening, specialty shoes and stuff like that. And I see it just about the same as before, except that you see a lot of more Anglo people, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And it seems like the Latina population just started coming in in the '70s. Is that right, or?
1: I never paid attention to that because when I came over here to work, I worked six days a week, twelve hours a day. Yeah. And they pay me twenty-five bucks for a week, you wow. know, which it was pretty cool. But I was so busy with that that I didn't know anything about what's going on. But what I did hear is maybe that's one of the changes. All the, the ambulance sirens. and fire departments and stuff like that. This used to be 100% or 90% Latino mm-hmm. population in here. Before that, it was Italian. Mm-hmm. And then Nicaragüenses, Salvadoreños, they started coming in in the 70s, 80s, Puerto Ricans and stuff like that. And it got a real good mixture of people, you know. I mean, you see people out there with bongos on the street. And it was really, I think, Nice, really nice, you know? And now it has changed a bit because they put up all these big, fancy buildings around here and a lot of new people are coming, 24, 25 years old and uh, making a lot of money, you know? But if you look at it, it's, we're still the same as we were 30 years ago with all the Latin people and the Latin shops around here, you
0: mm-hmm. know? What's been the most rewarding thing about what you've done and the success that you've seen and seeing where you've come since 1973 when you were standing for the sunlight.
1: The most rewarding thing for me has been, even though there's some problems in the family, but me being able to help my brothers, sisters, my mom, of course, because she had a lot of influence on me doing this. She was here the first day we opened, she, was, she taught me how to make the hot sauce, the green hot sauce, you know, and she 's out there in the kitchen making it, and we run out and then we make it again, she makes it again and stuff like that and I was able to provide for them a lot, you know I bought a couple of them, I bought them houses, at least down payments and get them in there you know, and bought them cars and was able to to do a lot of things for the family and I think that's the most rewarding. I would never really about saving money in the bank and being rich and stuff like that. I don't, I don't care about that, you know. If I have enough money to eat, that, that's good enough. But I don't know, it just gives me a lot of pleasure to help my family and even other people that is not my family. If, I, if they need a break and whatever, I'll, I'll help. So that's been the most rewarding. If I work eight hours a day for $50 a week, I would never be able to help anybody.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to
1: say? I, I, I really appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm not too good at this kind of stuff, and I, you know. But I appreciate it, you coming over and, and asking me all these questions because it takes me back. To when I started, I'm getting goosebumps, you know. Aww. Really, honestly, it's uh, it's been really um, what do I call it, uh, a a good ride. Uh, very nice trip, what's happening here, you know? I I feel so blessed. I only had five grades of so primary school in Mexico. I never went to school over here. And for all these things to happen to me, it's, I guess somebody up there likes me, you know? And my mom is watching for me.
0: The neighborhood loves you too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot
1: of people that, they, they, my son called me up one day and says, hey dad, I got a guy here looking for you and he said he's not gonna eat here until you come back <laughs> I mean what what different and I know he was just kidding he just told my son hey I'm eating here I'm not eating here if he's not here you know and some guy told me one day hey I stopped because I saw you in the cash register you know and stuff like that yeah I guess we have fun my customers have a lot of fun with me yeah and I have a lot of fun with my customers so It's a good situation, you know.
0: Well, thank you so much. This was such an honor to get to talk to you. It's been a lot of fun.
1: It's my pleasure. And, you know, I I didn't say no bad words. (laughs)
0: days, Miguel spends less and less time at La Taqueria, but as you heard, he certainly paid his dues. He now spends time pursuing a passion and hobby you hear him mention quite a bit, cars. But stop by and maybe you'll be lucky enough to meet Miguel at the Taqueria that he literally built with his own two hands. On the next episode of Menu Stories, we head farther south to Bernal Heights where we meet the high-energy husband and wife team behind Itchy Sushi and Nibar, and their latest venture, Ichi Kakia, a deliciously fresh oyster bar just down the street from their newly expanded sushi spot. Subscribe to Menu Stories on Menustories.com and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. As always, you can hear the podcast on our website and on iTunes and SoundCloud. Until next time, happy eating.